Hey, this is Israel. Here at the river, we're all about the message of the gospel of peace. That the Bible says, beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel or the good news of peace. So we have good news for you. The war is over. God is not angry at you. God is in love with you. And you can have peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we hope this message is a blessing to you. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com for more. Uh, This morning we're going to pick up where we left off. We're in a process of a a series where we've been talking about the process of conception, gestation, and delivery. In the book of Romans, real simply, it says that in nature, God put his nature so people would be without excuses. So in other words, let me say it this way, that If you can understand the way nature works, you can understand how God is wanting to work in you spiritually. And so with that concept and with that understanding, we all know how children are born. They're just not born. They are first conceived. A seed is conceived. Just like when the Virgin Mary listened to what the angel had to say. First of all, the angel said, peace. It said, fear not. Because she had fear in her heart. We'll talk about that in a second. She had to receive the word. She said she had to be willing to receive the word. And with fear in your heart, you can't receive. You're like, no. But see, when there's peace in your heart, then you're willing to receive the word God has for you. And when you receive the word God has for you, the Bible says that then she conceived in her the word. And from that point on, the word began to develop. She just had to take care of herself. And in the process of gestation, there's three periods of gestation. Uh, There's three trimesters. And in those three trimesters, there's three important things that you need to do to take care of yourself while the seed is developing. Those three things is you have to have rest, you have to have exercise, and you have to have Nutrition. Those are the three most important things in the process of gestation. Now, in churchdom, one of the things that we are really bothered with is the concept of the word immediately. Everybody say immediately. Because of certain passages in the scripture, we think everything should happen immediately. Well, in nature, it doesn't happen immediately. Conception takes place. Delivery takes place. But gestation is the longest period of time of the three periods of birthing. Gestation is the longest, and we need to understand that when God places a seed in us, it's conceived in us. We've been talking about in 1 Peter 1, verse 23, that when you're born again, there is a seed that's placed inside of you that's incorruptible. That seed is the seed of Jesus. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives inside of me in fullness and completeness. It's not a baby Jesus. It's a full. What we started on on this was, that we're, let's just look at this, this aisle here as being the River Jordan. This over here being God's provision in the Old Covenant. And this over here being the promised land that God wanted His people to go to. Does everybody see that? And in the Old Covenant... All that they were really worried about was while they were wandering around in the desert was God's provision. Was God's provision God's best for them? Everybody say no. 
because God's best for them was for them to live in promised land. Promised land living. God wanted his ch the children of Israel to come out of bondage and move into promised land living. But because of no faith, they wandered in the desert just barely existing in the provision of God. And what we need to understand is that God has placed a seed inside of us of fullness, of completeness. Everything that pertains to life and godliness has already been given unto us, but most of us are still living just day by day, just wanting to just barely, one day I'll be happy in heaven. One day I'll be joyful. Well, when I get to heaven, everything will be all right. Well, when I get to heaven, I'll be healthy. Well, when I get to heaven... I'll be at peace in my heart. Listen, God wants you to be healthy and have peace in your heart and be, you making an impact, being a witness for His glory here in the, in the here and now, not in the someday in the sweet by and by, the right now. And so that's what we've been talking about is maturing and bringing that seed that's inside of you in the process of gestation. And we, we've been spending several weeks on this. This morning we're going, we're going to pick up where we left off. And last week we talked about in the book of Galatians, uh, bear with me real quick as we do a little bit of review. In the book of Galatians, chapter 6, it says, verse 7, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For, uh, for he who sows to the flesh will also reap uh, with the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will also uh, will of the Spirit reap. Notice what it says there. We talked about this last week, that if you sow things... In the Spirit, the Spirit will cause it to... You will receive from the Spirit. You understand that? You're not having to do it. I love what Paul says. Paul says, I'm confident this very thing, that he has begun a good work in me. Now, when I hold my belly, it's like this. I'm not saying I've got gas or anything like that. This is where the seed is. It's in my book. That there's something, God's done something inside of me. And, and I'm confident that, that what God has impregnated me with, he will make it come to pass as long as I keep on believing that He's doing something in me. All right? And so this morning we're going to be talking about that believing part. And then it goes on and says, it says this, uh, in verse 9, And let us not grow weary while doing good. Remember last week we talked about people that farm and they're planting weary seeds. And a lot of times, see, we know what that means by growing weary, because when you've grown weary in well-doing, if you've grown weary in a situation, it's because you fertilized weary. First of all, there was a seed of worry and weary. You fertilized it, you thought about it, you meditated, and pretty soon you start reaping the benefits of weary. Well, if it works with weary, if it works with fear, it also works with faith, it also works with love, it also works with the finished work of Calvary. I tell you what, it's so powerful, just the concept, so a man thinks in his mind, and so is he. If you see yourself in a negative situation and you magnify the negative situation, don't be surprised if you have negative emotions. It's just going to happen. So watch what happens here. It says, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in, everybody say due season. In due season you will reap. Now, this is really important for us to understand. This is where we left off last week, in due season. In other words, there is a season when there's a time to reap what's been planted. We read a scripture out of the book of Mark that it said, it said that when a seed is sown, it first comes out a blade. You know, and then 
after the blade comes out comes a stalk, and after the stalk comes out comes a, a fully formed grain. But there's no harvest yet. It's not, and then it goes on and says, but when the grain becomes ripened, immediately. See, the immediately didn't take place when the blade came out. You see that? The immediately didn't take place when the stock came up. Even when the grain was full size in the husk, there was no harvest. It wasn't until it was ripe. Then the immediately took place. I tell you what, if we can find that place in our life when the immediate, oh, recognize, recognize the season of gestation that you're in. Is, do you understand what I'm talking about? Re, don't look for the immediately right away. Oh, when, when a person gets pregnant and they concede, I tell you, you, you I mean, we talked about this, we're not going, Joy, you couldn't, you, you, you didn't have to ask her. You just knew, Joy, you're pregnant. Because she, she was beaming, she was giggly, she was, something was going on inside of her, and she couldn't, with, mm-hmm, she's pregnant. Now, she didn't immediately go, oh. it wasn't time. It wasn't time. So many of us in our Christian life are trying to give a premature birth outside of due season. Everybody's got a due date. And the seed inside of you has a due date. Not only is the Word of God strong inside of you, but we're supposed to meditate, study to show yourself approved. Listen, we've talked about this last night. You can't study to show your... You, anybody ever read that scripture, study to show yourself approved, work or rightly dividing the Word of truth? You can't study enough to show God you're, you're worthy of approval. You're not showing God anything. It says study to show yourself that you are approved. And so that's a process. You need to look in this Word and see all the places that you're approved by God, that you're loved by God, that you're a son. Listen, I'm going to say this out loud and bold without a veil covering my face. <laughs> Those who understand what I'm talking about, been here in a while. Listen, God doesn't want you to be His servant. Jesus didn't die on the cross to make you a servant. Jesus died on the cross to make you a a son. Yeah. Amen. A son that serves. And a son serves for different reasons than a servant serves. A servant serves just to get their daily. The prodigal son. The son came back not to be a son. He came back to be one of his father's. Because his father's servants have their daily bread. How many people go to church just to... I'm just supposed to be a servant. Oh, no. No. Don't germinate that seed. Don't think about that. Think about you being a son, a child of God. Listen, nobody before Jesus was a child of God. They never called God Father. I'm getting off on stuff. Let me go on. So anyway, last week we talked about the due season, about the conflict of immediately and we're going to talk about something this morning that goes right in along with due season because in due season whenever you mention due season it is a reference to time time is the there's nothing wrong with time but time misused can be your enemy time lost can be a devastation amen 
timed gain can be a blessing. So there's nothing wrong with the time. It all depends on what you're doing with your time. And when you speak of due season, it means that there's a season of time that has to take place. The Bible says that in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, God created. That is a reference when time had its first beginning. See, time has a beginning and time has a understanding that if something has a beginning, it has an end. There's going to be a, I don't know what you call it, in eternity, time had a start. And eternity, time's going to have an end. But eternity's going to keep on going. Eternity always has been and always will be. And within eternity, God made a section called time. You got it? And God then put man in the garden to subdue and take charge of all that he had created. Time is something that you're supposed to subdue and take charge of instead of lose and let go of. Time is something you're supposed to handle. Time is something that you're supposed to use for your benefit. It would be a shame if you were to run out of time when you're in charge of it. Man. It doesn't matter. The question is, how are you looking at time? I tell you, this is going. To, I hope this. I hope you get excited about that this morning. Turn with me just over to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five, verse twenty-two. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Let's go back up to verse 22 again. It says this. It says, but the fruit. Everybody say fruit. fruit. Of the Spirit. Now I guarantee you, if it's no longer you that live, but Christ that lives in you, you have the seed of God inside of you, incorruptible. That seed is also the Spirit of God. Amen? And it says that that seed or that Spirit, His Spirit, has a fruit. It manifests certain things. In other words, if you have the seed in you, you have these things in you. Let me read it again. If you have the seed, you have love inside of you, you have joy, you have peace, and you have patience. I know the New King James says long-suffering, but the King James, I think, believe says patience. And we're going to talk about patience because you know what patience is? I'm going to give you a definition of patience that you probably have never heard before. But when you look at the scripture and see the benefit of having patience, you'll start seeing, well, I won't get into that. I'll, I'll save it for a second. But it says this, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit, or the fruit of the seed inside of you, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See, these are things that you have. Well, I hadn't experienced them. That's because you haven't magnified, you haven't brought that seed to gestation when that seed's planted in you, you haven't thought about you being, having self-control. You hadn't seen yourself walking in patience. You hadn't seen yourself manifest, letting the fruit come from that seed through you and outside of you. 
One of the things we teach on Wednesday night is a, a class called heart physics. And in heart physics, one of the first laws of physics is for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. In heart physics, what that means is this, is that, that if you say that you must become something, you've just told yourself that you're nothing. If you say, I must get this, that you've just told yourself you don't have it. And that's the, that's the way nature was made. God said again, if you can understand nature, you can understand Him. And physics is. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So if you tell yourself, I must be a good person, you just told yourself with the same energy that you try to become something, you've just told yourself you're nothing, that you're not a good person, and you're trying to become something that you're not. Man, most Christians are trying to become something that they already are. They're not realizing who they are in Christ because of the seed. Remember, this understanding comes from a concept of spirit, soul, and body. You need to understand that God's done things in your spirit, man. You're made new in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You're a new creature in Christ. Man, that's, that's powerful. Your nature's changed. You're no longer of Adam. You're of Jesus. You've been born again. There's a new you in you. But we need to magnify that. We need to re repent. We need to change the way we think. That's what repenting is. By the renewing of the mind. Watch, excuse me, watch this. Patience is what we're going to focus on. And patience is God's ability to redeem time. Now I want you to think about that. Patience is God's ability already in you to redeem time. Why do we need to redeem time? It says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, since we're so just a couple pages over, go ahead and turn there. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16, it says this. Verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Now there's not, uh, what's it mean the days are evil? Does that mean the devil's out there just, ah, you know what evil is? You know what the definition of evil is according to the word of God? The definition of evil is not Satan going, ah. The definition of evil is anything that doesn't have God in it. Anything that doesn't have God in it. The children of Israel came to the River Jordan across the other side the first time. And did they go across? No. They backed up and went into the desert for 40 years. And the Bible refers that, that that process of backing up was that they had an evil heart of, of unbelief. So did they have the devil in them? No, they didn't. They just had a, they didn't believe God in what God had said. And that was an evil heart, according to the word. And see, what they say when the times are evil, it just means, got a question. Have you watched the news lately? Are days evil? There's a, lot, there's a lot of things going on in this world that God's not in it. But guess what? God wants to be in it. And that's where we come into play. 
God showed me why I was driving down from, from Willis, Texas to Bryan College Station uh, one day to do some, some business. And right in the middle, there's a little corner there. And I remember the, the moment I pulled through the four-way stop and it was about 100 yards from the four-way stop and I had this flash. It says, evil is not a force. Evil is a void. We give too much power to the devil. He's defeated. It's a void of God. It's not a force. Listen, there is no, there's no battle going on in the heavens between good and bad, right and wrong. That battle's over! But we don't believe that. But that battle's over. I tell you what, uh, there, there's a switch on the wall here. I'm getting into some of our Wednesday night teaching, and I shouldn't, but there's a switch on the wall. What do they call that switch? Light switch. Why don't they call it a dark switch? Why don't they call it a dark switch? You ever think about that? You know why? Because you can't control dark. Dark is a void of light. You can control light. You can't control dark. You can't control evil. It's just a void. It's an absence of God. So if you want to dispel evil in the times, what do you got to do? You've got to bring God into it. And the moment you bring God into an evil time, those times are not evil anymore. That's our responsibility as the body of Christ. But we as a body of Christ have not redeemed the time. Watch what happens here. Turn over to me, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans chapter 5. Verse 1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Notice, I, I love this. Every time you see the word peace, just say, thank you, Jesus. Because he's the prince of? He made peace on earth and he made peace in heaven. And you've got to remember, the children of Israel were not scared of the devil in the Old Testament. They were scared of God. That's hard for some people to realize. The devil wasn't even really an issue in the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. It wasn't the devil that opened up the ground and swallowed 3,000 people in one time. It wasn't the devil that killed uh, 23,000 in one day due to a plague. It wasn't the devil that killed Brother Uzzah when he reached out and grabbed the ark. It was God. When God spoke, people died. They had a fear of God. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice. So what are you doing? You're standing and rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. The word glory literally means God's view and opinion in this word. This word glory means God's view and opinion. In other words, we're standing and rejoicing and hoping in the manifestation of God's view and opinion of what He wants over here. That's why Jesus prayed, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, or thy glory be done on earth as your glory is in heaven. He was praying for the kingdom of heaven to be manifested, the same kingdom that's up there to be here on earth in substantial form for us to feel and breathe and exist in that kingdom. 
Let me read this. So this word glory means just what we're talking about there. It says, rejoicing in hope of the glory, hope. Hope is that word called, the definition of the word hope is a confident expectation. If we have a confident expectation of good things to come, we're hoping, we, we, we know that this is going to take place. We know that we're going to experience this. We have faith and we trust and believe that God's will will be done in us, in this place, on this earth. Amen? So you're rejoicing in hope. The next verse, listen to this, it says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Uh-oh. <laughs> but see, that, that word glory right there is simply the word that means boast. So in the fact that we're hoping and we have a confident expectation that God's will is going to be done on His earth, that His glory is going to be made manifest through us because we're redeeming the time and we're bringing God into every situation on this planet because it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives inside of me. Does everybody understand that? That we're boasting in tribulation about what God's glory is. How many of you have ever had tribulations in your life at all raise your hand I should get everybody in here on that one did that tribulation produce patience in you now see we got a conflict of scripture here or what it appears to be because the scripture we just read in Galatians chapter 5 said the fruit of the spirit is patience is that what it said in, in Galatians chapter 5 it said the one of the fruits of the spirit is patience patience but now it's telling us let me just read what it says here it says and not only that but we also glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces patience well wait a minute keep your keep your finger there at Romans chapter 5 let me read the book of Matthew uh, chapter 13 the parable of the soils it says this in verse 21 Yet he has no root. This is talking where the seed gets sown into four different types of ground. Got it? And in four different types of ground, it's the same what? Seed being the word, the seed that's placed inside of us. Yet he has no root in himself. Let me go back. Verse 20 says, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when, say tribulation, when tribulation and persecution arise, why, what is the perp, why does persecution and tribulation arise? Because of the word. Do you see that? In other words, you have the seed inside of you. And when that seed gets planted, persecution and tribulation come and try to steal it and choke it out and keep it from germinating. The purpose of tribulation is to destroy and abort the word that's inside of you. The purpose of tribulation is not to produce patience. Patience happens. But the purpose of tribulation is to counter what God's doing. 
Do you see that? You, you can't have it. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit living and breathing inside of you. You have patience. And tribulation is going to come and try to choke out the seed. Now, here's, here's that word. One of the words that, that kind of messes up on it is that word produces. Uh, in the old King James, it actually says worketh. That tribulation worketh patience. Here's another way to say it. That tribulation engages patience. In other words, there's a conflict going on. And patience, patience is God's ability for you to redeem time. What is the number one thing that you, you encounter in your life? When you've heard the Word of God, you come to church, you sit there and you have this Word, and you heard a Word of healing, you've heard a Word of faith, you've heard a Word of someone, let's get him. I'll get him. That's all right. We love children. Don't worry about it. You have never done that? Christopher still does that. No, I just kidding. But see, when, see what happened? Let, let me put this in a way that hopefully we can all understand it. See, when you're given a word and something happens inside of you and you hear the truth of the gospel that's just growing inside of you and it's birthing, that's telling it. The Bible tells us that that's when tribulation comes and try to quench that because. The times we live in don't want you experiencing that freedom and that liberty and that victory. And so tribulation, see, see for so long we've seen patience as being, well, if I, just, if I just hang on, oh, oh, woe with me. Oh, no, it, it, it said with great rejoicing and hope we speak of His glory during tribulations. Did you catch that? It says, I'll, I'll read it again in case you didn't get it. And not only that, but we also boast in tribulation. How many of us are boasting in tribulation? You're not boasting, listen, you're not boasting for tribulation. But in tribulation, you're boasting. You're keeping that seed alive. You're nurturing the seed of God. You're meditating on the promises of the Word of God. You're focusing on this kind of living over here despite what you're experiencing in the flesh. You're not going to let tribulation steal your joy. You're going to stay happy in the midst of adversity. You're going to keep giving in the midst of poverty. You're going to keep loving when no one else is loving you because you know you're loved by God. Bless God. You're in control. And that produces a patience because... Patience is the only way that you can redeem time. If you just hold on, oh, no, stand fast in the grace of God. Speak the word of God. Let the confession come out of your mouth. Tell, tell your situation how great your God is. Quit telling your God how bad your situation is. Oh, God, if you, no one else on earth has ever been through what I'm going through. Oh, come on, church. We need, to change. we need to change what we're fertilizing and how we're fertilizing what we're fertilizing. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I'll tell you the greatest story. Listen, no person on earth has ever been in a situation as Jonah. See, you're already laughing because some of y'all already heard this. But you know what? There are a whole bunch of people in here that hadn't heard it. Jonah in the belly of the well. Jonah's in the belly of the well. Oh, oh. 
It says that the, he was, his soul was fainting unto death, that he was going to be in this belly of the well forever. No, he wasn't. And you know what changed his circumstance? He remembered his God. That's all he did. And when he remembered his God, the well went, Bleh! the circumstance had to eliminate him. See, this is deep. This is theologically deep. Whether you know it or not, Jonah in the belly of the well, he was going to come out one way or the other. And coming out the other end, there's a whole lot more pressure than coming out this end. Which end do you want to come out of? It's your no circumstance lasts forever. You're going, to come, you're going to pass through. You're going to go through your situation right into another. The question is, are you going to be chewed up, crunched up? Well, I've got to be careful with the words that come out of my mouth. Are you going to come out as... <laughs> are you going to come out the other way? Full of victory. I tell you what, how, tell your situation. In, the, in your trial and adversity that came to steal your word, stand and say, I've got God's grace and I've got the patience to see the due season come to end. I'm not going to try to uh, make this seed happen before it's due. The Bible says that you need have endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you can receive the promise. You need endurance. But you know how you get patience? I mean endurance? By being patient. Not just hanging on, but speaking the truth, speaking the word of God, making a difference, redeeming the time. Don't ever tell yourself, well, this got to happen in three months or else I'm a goner. <laughs> Go ahead and kiss yourself goodbye. <laughs> well, I'm just being honest because what are you doing? I'm just going to be honest. If you say you only got three months to live, bye. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I'll have the church pray for me. <laughs> it won't do any good. You believe something else. Thank you. You believe you only got three months. Oh, but you take the word of God inside of you and says, I'm redeeming the time. I got all the time in the world to get healed and walk in health. I got all the time to make a difference in my family. I got all the time to make a difference in my church. I got all the time to make a difference in my job and my occupation. I got all the time. God's got all the time. I got We're supposed to be in control of time. And I don't see, I can be in control of time. Take that clock and run it back 30 minutes. Just, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you're still breathing, you've got time to do what God's called you to do. You still have time to fulfill your purpose. It doesn't matter how old. I like what he said to Timothy. Tim in the book of Ti uh, uh, Timothy, uh, it says this. Don't dis Let me just read it. Goodness gracious. That's right. That's right. In Timothy, it says this. It says, let no one despise your youth or your lack of it. Uh-huh, you see what I'm saying? Abraham did not consider his age and the promises of God still came to pass. Don't let age be the issue. It says, let no one despise your youth, uh, but be an example to all belie uh, to believers in word and in conduct, in love and spirit and faith and purity, till I come, here it goes, we talked about this last week, 
Give attention. I don't care how broke you are. And we're not talking about dollars. Every one of you have attention to give. Some of you are here this morning not giving any attention. How many times have you gone to church and didn't give attention? You just went and went to church. But you didn't give your attention. Oh, man, that's powerful. Everybody can sow. See, if you sow to the Spirit your intention, attention, guess what you're going to get? What you're paying attention to. Man, because the Spirit will give it. Look what it says here. Let's go on real quickly. It says, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to what I call proper doctrine. What do you mean, Pastor, about proper doctrine? Isn't the Bible proper doctrine? Let me just put it this way. In the book of 2 Peter, in the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. If the knowledge you have has not produced grace and peace, you don't have the right knowledge of God in Jesus our Lord. If you're still scared of God, you have not received what is known as the Apostles' Doctrine. You're still living under the Law and the Prophets' Doctrine. The New Covenant has a different doctrine than the Old Covenant. The Bible says that the proper doctrine or the proper knowledge, you will manifest in you grace and peace. And I know so many people that have been in church all their life and never once have ever experienced grace and peace. They're still afraid, struggling, totally defeated, under bondage, not living in victory, but they're going to church every week. Man, the proper doctrine will produce grace and peace. So the scripture here is telling Timothy, he's saying, Till I come, give attention to reading, exhortation, and proper doctrine. Do not neglect the gift, the seed, what's inside of you. Don't neglect it. God's done something on side of you. Don't neglect it. Now, I love Philippians. Are they putting you? Put Philippians 1 6 on the board. Look at this scripture. This is so cool. Philippians 1 6. And it would have helped if I would have gave you a bunch of list of stuff, wouldn't it? I forgot to do that. Being confident of this very thing, that He has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now put Philemon 6. Watch this. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you. Wow! See, the way that Philippians 1.6 comes to pass is because the instructions in Philemon 6. Where it says that your faith will be effective in this world. You will experience in this world, in this place over here, if you want the manifestation of God's grace, His power, His strength, His provision, and salvation that's on this earth in the here and now, it's going to happen by you 
magnifying and declaring the good things that are in you, not the bad things. Well, I got what I got because of what I did. Well, guess what? You keep believing that and you'll keep getting it. Well, I'm just, you know, no, we're supposed to magnify and, and, and pay attention and to acknowledge the good things. Is the Word of God good inside of you? Absolutely. Then acknowledge it. Is healing and health good inside of you? Yes. Then acknowledge it. Is faith, is prosperity good? Yes. Not for you to hoard it so you can share it. So you can help other people live outside of yourself. But the key word there is acknowledge. You, there is no power that can ever come into your life. Let me put it this way. The only power that ever comes in your life is from what you acknowledge. The only thing that will affect you is what you acknowledge, what you link up with. I really believe that I can stand in the midst of a coven of witches and even if there is some, I, I don't care. Listen, I don't acknowledge them. I don't give them any power. I don't acknowledge any of them. Listen, my, J Jesus took back all the power that the devil ever had. They don't have any. I don't give them any. I'm not giving up my victory. I don't acknowledge. See, Jesus was, is the Son of God, did great signs and wonders and miracles, went to his own hometown after doing signs, wonders, and miracles, and people in his own hometown didn't receive any signs, wonders, and miracles. You know why? They didn't acknowledge him and who he was. They saw him in who he used to be. And so what they get? They got what they saw the way he used to be as a carpenter's son. They didn't get what he had become full of power. If you acknowledge negative, guess what? You've just tapped into it. If you acknowledge the word of God, guess what? You're going to let it begin to affect you. I guarantee you, you, go, you, start, you start acknowledging all the people in your life that are in jail and acknowledging their wisdom and listening to their advice. You start acknowledging people that have been divorced three and four and five and six times and you're trying to live in a, a relationship and not get divorced. You listen to, you acknowledge through your thinking and your hearing. You start bringing in information. I tell you what, it happened. I've seen it so many times. You take a person that's married and you get them to hang around a bunch of single people and not a bunch of married people. And you th these single people don't like being married. This, this married person will become unmarried because of the acknowledgement or the influence of this. Because they begin to magnify that. They've been drawn into that. And they, they think that. Well, it is natural, but it's natural the wrong way because these days are evil. But see, if you magnify how good, you know, how good a, a, a husband-wife relationship can be or how good a job can be or how, listen, the reason people don't come to church is because well, I don't like coming to church. All they do is feel guilty. We feel condemned. We come out our heads down low. We had some people come to our church not too long ago, and they said, you know what? I couldn't believe it. But every church they'd been to, they had been to, the people were sad and miserable and heads hanging low, all beat up. They said, we went to church and you're, heck, you guys are happy. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know why? That's because we're magnifying the seed and the good things that are in us because we want our faith to be effective. We want to redeem the time. We want to make time work for us instead of us work for it. How many people go to work and go, man, I just got this much time left. 
Oh, come on, don't let work be your center of focus. Let the promises of God be your center of focus. Look all the time you've got to, to, to do the great things of God. Man, get it in your heart. This, this is just so, so fun. I, I'm just having a ball doing all of this. Uh, turn with me to the book, Romans chapter 12. This will be our last one. Romans 12. It says right here in verse 12. Well, let's go verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Listen to this. This is what you do during the process of gestation. When the seed's planted, when you're, when you're preg- and impregnated with, you know, you cha- we talked about, we don't have to re- talk, go back and talk about it all over again, but when you're pregnant, your, your verbiage changes. Your vision changes. You begin to take that man cave, you make it into a nursery. You start thinking about what kind of school the kids are gonna, your child's going to go to. You start saving money. You start putting things aside. You start focusing on what's inside of you. You understand? You start taking care of it before it's even here. You're, you're moved by emotion because of what's in us. Got a question. Are you moved by emotion because of the Word of God inside of you? If you're not... You're not hoping for what He plans on happening. And if you're not hoping for what God plans on happening in your life, you probably won't get what God wants to happen in your life. Because you only get what you acknowledge and hope for. Does everybody understand that? If you're not looking forward to walking in health, if you're not looking forward to walking in prosperity, if you're not looking forward to walking in peace and joy in the midst of terrible uh, tribulation, you won't get it. You'll just be like everybody else in the world. Look what it says here. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate uh, uh, to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. What this is telling us is that in tribulation, you need to be have a confident expectation of good things to come, that you're not moved by the tribulation. It's not, you're not going to let tribulation choke out the word that's inside of you. And in that process, you're going to grow with endurance and confidence, and you're growing faith. So the next time tribulation comes, you're going to be stronger the next time. But tribulation is coming to choke it out. Don't let it. If you're going, listen, here's, here's the thing. If tribulation is coming your way, that means there's a seed inside of you. And every one of you raised your hands that have been through tribulation. That means God's doing something. You've heard something. There's been a seed planted, and tribulation is coming and trying to choke that out. The question is, are you going to let tribulation choke it out, or are you going to stand in grace? Are you going to walk in faith? Are you going to say what God wants you to say and be who God says you already are? Are you going to be like the children of Israel that just barely hung on and most of them died out? Or are you going to be the children of Israel that crossed over to the other side and lived in God's promises? Man, this is powerful. It has changed your life. I can't talk fast enough. <laughs> Got to get it out. This is supposed to affect you. It's just not a deal of religious doctrine. It's life. 
Jesus came to bring us life and life more abundant. So many of us, listen, so many of us were taught a gospel saying, ask Jesus into your life. Anybody ever heard that? That's not the gospel. It's not about you asking Jesus into your life. It's about you stepping into His. It's about you surrendering and stepping into His life. Not you just ask, well, Jesus, can you come down and help me? No. <laughs> he wants you to be in His life. The life that I now live, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me. See, Paul said, this is the way I used to be, but now this is the way I am. This is the way I used to be. I used to kill Christians. I used to try to destroy, destroy the church. But then when I realized it was Christ in me, the hope of glory, now I want to do nothing but bless it. He changed. Something happened. It's called Jesus. Let's all stand up. Let me say it this way, if you hadn't caught it, patience is the mortal enemy to tribulation. You want to get rid of your tribulation? Have patience. There's a power to patience. There's a power called patience. Don't look at patience as being a dilemma. Look at it as being a power. And the power of patience will dispel the tribulation. Father, we give you praise, we give you glory for what you're doing in our midst. I thank you so much for your word coming alive in each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher. And I simply ask that you continually do what you do best. Even as we leave this place, when we lay our heads on the pillows at night, you continually teach us your word, and we magnify every good thing that's within us. We magnify the good seed that's in us. I thank you that we have patience, we have long-suffering, we have gentleness and kindness and love and peace. It's already in us, and now let us nurture it, let us germinate it, so we can experience in this life you've given us to live in victory. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Go ahead.